Hey, this is episode 39 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are, Are you prepared for disaster while you're at work? Gallstones, diagnosis and treatment. And 30 smart ways to reuse things that you usually throw away. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I get started, uh, just a couple of things. Well, the uh, the episode, uh, Wednesday's episode, I thought was really awesome. We, uh, I mean, there's a lot of downloads off of it, so I, I, I know people are listening to it. Uh, but that was one, you know, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, and we talked a little bit about Syria. I haven't really received any feedback, uh, negative or positive, about, um, you know, Syria or, or what people thought. So um, I'm just, you know, throwing it out there. So I know people are listening to it and downloading it. Uh, so that that's always a good thing. But anyway, if you if you are coming to us from uh, or you're just now starting to listen to us, the podcast, you're on episode 39, go check out episode 38. We had some good articles and then a great interview and then uh, talked about uh, Syria a little bit and the things that are going on over there. So just kind of wanted to point that out to you. Uh, th- th- I thought things went really well yesterday. Um, also on our on the, the Prepper website group or Facebook group, so we have a, there's a Facebook page and then there's a, a group, and a group you have to, you know, you come in and there's a membership. You, it's, I mean, it's free, but you know, you have to be added or you have to request to be a member or whatever. And just, I'm not allowing like spam bots and people who are just going to troll and stuff in there. But you know, so we have a, you know, some people in there, and we were talking about what our preparedness needs. Um, so one of the members, Trent, talked about water, or someone talked about water, and Trent posted. Uh, his IBC totes and his little setup. He talked about his diverter, his first flush diverter, and I was interested in that because we have uh, uh, up at my dad's place in in East Texas, and we're completely off grid there. I, I think it's like a 2,500 gallon uh, tank that uh, you know we have a, a big, a huge roof, and uh, we're gonna run the, the the gutters or the water into that. And we, you know, I was telling dad we needed a a first flush or a roof scrubber. Uh, to to be part of it uh, because we're going in there we're going to want to use this water to irrigate uh, when we put in garden beds or gardens and stuff like that and so we, you know we want the we want the water as clean as possible and so um, Trent had talked about that and I asked him if he could post some pictures and he put a little video on there so I uh, appreciate that Trent and a nice little video to kind of show his system and uh, he's got a lot of water there man he's got six IBC totes and uh, you're holding a, holding a whole lot of water. So a nice little setup. But uh, if you are interested in joining that group, I really, haven't, I really haven't talked about it anywhere else other than the podcast right now. Um, so you can go to the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com, and on the menu bar there is the, the, the button for the free Facebook group. You can hit that and go straight to there, and you can just say, hey, you know, Todd, I'd like to join, request to join, and then as soon as I can get to Facebook, I'll approve you, uh, you know, unless you look like a spam bot or something like that. Uh, if you're not going to, you don't want to go to the Facebook page, you can go to a website. I got it forwarded. Uh, it's amoreselfrelientlife.com. If you go there, uh, it'll direct you straight to the Facebook group. And you can go ahead and request uh, to join there. 
and uh, you know, hey, we're just trying to to have a group of people who are just care about sharing information, preparedness information, how to live a more self reliant life, and uh, you know, not being buttheads about it. You know, there's some there's some uh, places you can go on on social media, on Facebook groups and stuff like that, and you throw a question out there, and then people just you know, that just treat you really bad. You're like, I mean, what are you, brand new to you know preparedness or whatever? And yeah, there might be some people that are brand new to preparedness. I want to welcome those people. I want to, I want people to feel free to ask questions. Um, you know, I, I don't believe in that, that saying there's no stupid question because I've been around people that, you know, ask stupid questions. But, you know, there are questions that uh, newbies can ask and you know we want to help them out as much as possible at least that's what I always try to do with proper website and even when people email me and stuff uh, so all right so let's go ahead and get started I've been talking on talking a lot already uh, our first article comes to us from the survivalistblog.net I do think that it is a topic that uh, needs to be considered. There's a lot of people that are into preparedness, a lot of people that are listening to this podcast and you're going to your business. Maybe you're a business owner and you need to consider about you need to consider what your your business, what your job needs to do in order to be prepared and uh, just you know what your people should do to be prepared. And maybe you're going to a job and uh, you don't necessarily consider, you know, being prepared at work but something that you might need to uh, start considering. So anyway, let's go ahead and start reading this one. Are you prepared for a disaster while you're at work? Most of us spend a lot of time on preps for our home, vehicle, and bug out locations, but our places of work are often neglected and rarely discussed. This is a big gap in preparedness for those of us who are still working for the man and find ourselves spending half of our waking hours in an office or traveling. I assumed my EDC and vehicle get-home bag had me covered at work until a simple request for a screwdriver made me realize all my gear is down a flight of stairs and across a parking lot. I immediately added a Leatherman to my laptop bag, but more importantly, I started thinking through potential scenarios. While, while your work environment may differ from mine, the key principle is to think through your likely scenarios, make a plan, and the best part, buy some more gear. Your in-vehicle get-home bag should cover getting stuck at work or a hotel due to weather, road issues, or civil unrest, so will not be specifically addressed. Medical emergencies, fire, and active shooter are the most likely in-office scenarios requiring planning and immediate access to gear. These scenarios are equally likely to occur at a hotel or a remote office during business travel, so build your kit to accommodate. I am able to fit a surprising amount of gear in my laptop uh, laptop bag, which is always with me in the office or when traveling. If you don't carry a laptop bag, perhaps you have an equipment or tool bag that never leaves your side. I also store additional supplies in my personal file cabinet and desk drawers. In addition to convenience items such as high energy snacks and hygiene items, I carry a personal urban, urban repelling kit or a perk, medical supplies and safety gear. A full list of what I carry can be found below. I recommend joining your company's emergency response team or ERT if available. You will typically receive first aid, CPR, evacuation, and fire extinguisher training. If this isn't available at your office, contact your HR department or building management to initiate. At a minimum, identify where all medical kits, fire extinguishers, and emergency exits are located. Perhaps more important than the free training, you will have the inside scoop on how prepared your company and building really are. And you may be unpleasantly surprised. 
For instance, my building has no plan for an active shooter scenario. You may also find out how inadequate and difficult to find your company medical kits are. Band-Aids, alcohol wipes, and ibuprofen are good for paper cuts but not for rapid blood loss from an art, art, arterial cut or gunshot wound. Have you thought through your active shooter run, hide, fight scenarios? Even Bruce Willis and Die Hard had to run and hide before he fought. How about billowing black toxic smoke filling your halls? How many exits do you have? Hint. A window or drywall is also an excellent I'm sorry, is also an exit even if it doesn't open and is on the second floor. I have a very compact personal urban repelling kit that allows me to escape through an office or hotel window up to five stories high. Be a leader and discuss scenarios protocols with your team or coworkers that sit near you. Talk through the below sample active shooter scenario, shooter considerations and establish an emergency action plan with your peers. Uh, active shooter response. Run, check windows to see if you can locate positions of shooters, which exits routes are available, what cover is available, what is your destination upon exit. Hide. Close to barricade an office, conference room, or bathroom. Can your door or furniture provide protection if bullets are flying? Do you have an alternate exit if the shooter attempts to break in? What can be used as weapons in the event you need to fight? And then fight. What weapons do you have available? Did you observe if they have body armor? How can you launch a coordinated attack against one or multiple shooters? Perhaps two people throw full soda cans at the head of the shooter while someone tackles the legs and another person secures the weapon. Okay, um, just from, uh, because I'm in education and we've done, uh, I, I like to think my school district is, is, you know, has tried to be as prepared as possible. Um, I, I guess you can always be more prepared. Uh, on my campus, when I was on the campus, I talked actively about these things, even before the district was talking about them, and got people, I mean, sometimes the teachers didn't want to hear it, but, uh, you know, after um, Sandy Hook, everybody was kind of, excuse the pun, hooked on talking about this. And so when we talk about the run here, um, he's talking about checking windows and, and all that kind of stuff. But really, um, and, and definitely that, but run also means, and it firstly means that you just run from the shooter as fast as you can. Uh, you know, in schools that used to be, you know, you corral yourself into a room and you lock the door and all that kind of stuff. That's that's out the window. That's you know, first you just run. Then if you can't run, you hide. And then if you can't hide, you fight. And so here, when he's talking about checking windows and stuff, yeah, definitely. But uh, you know, in the first sign of an active shooter, you want to run as far away from the shooter as possible. So I just wanted to add that there. Okay, uh, let's keep going. Laptop laptop bag gear. Personal urban, urban repelling kit or a perk. 50 feet of 6 millimeter cord. I don't suggest repelling with paracord unless no other option. Lightweight harness of 15 foot of webbing to make a swami harness. Carbiner, carbiners times two pre-attach one to a harness. The other two end of cordage for quick attachment to anchor point. And gloves for sliding down rope. Also useful for moving building debris from explosion or earthquake damage. Safety and miscellaneous. A respirator, uh, dust mask or bandana, lighter, headlamp, mini flashlight, glow stick, whistle, tactical pen, firearm, balance company policy versus risk. Don't forget to remove if flying. Credit card knife, remove if flying. Um, 
I'm going to say have a real knife, not the credit card knife. A multi-tool, uh, remove if flying, small roll of duct tape, packable raincoat or poncho, phone charger, cord, and cash, $6,200. Medical kit, quick, uh, sorry, can't talk today, quick clot, Sealox packets, Israeli field dressing, tourniquet, basic medicine, Benadryl, Tylenol, Advil, CNS, uh, Imodium, Tums, Pepto, Pepto tabs, you know that drill, right? Uh, Band-Aids, bandages, alcohol wipes, eye drops, and EpiPen. Uh, food and water, Datrix emergency drinking water pouches, uh, Kind bars. I don't know what a Kind bar is. I never had one of those. Uh, Justin's almond butter, coconut oil packets, tea, coffee packets. Hygiene. TP, body wipes, deodorant, toothpaste, uh, toothbrush, mini pack towels, file cabinet, desk drawer, additional food and water, whiskey, helps to calm the nerves in high stress situations, N95 particle mask, hammer, active shooter defense, even if you're armed, help to arm others, full soda cans, throw at active shooter, try shooting when someone's throwing cans at your head, extra mags and ammo. Your workplace is potentially an area where you are most vulnerable. I hope this has inspired you to reduce your risk exposure and be better prepared in your place of work. Please share your thoughts or any areas I may have overlooked in the comments below. And so again, uh, over here at, at Survivalist Blog, MD has a big community, so there's a lot of comments that you can uh, you can come and, and read what, what people are saying and go check check those out. And there'll be even more comments as uh, as this continues on. But uh, something that's important important to think about, important to uh, consider if you are at a job uh, and you're working and you should have some you know you should have access to your some supplies. And, uh, you know, we've posted articles on Purple Website before about people who just, you know, during the day, uh, a blizzard comes in and they're stuck at work, uh, you know, for a couple of days. And, you know, what would you do in, in those regards? So I think um, having some of these supplies is just really easy. You can go to the dollar store, pick up, pick up some of this stuff. And like he said, put it in a filing cabinet, put it in a drawer of your desk and just kind of leave it there. And, you, you know, it's there and you have some supplies. All right, it's a good article. Um, hey, again, let me let me just stress: if you are a business owner, because I know that I'm um, just the 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 averages, right? I mean, there's there's people out there who are business owners. Um, be thinking about this and putting some things in place for your for your employees. Uh, and if you're talking about this, um, they might think you're a kook, but at the same time, they might appreciate that you are thinking about their well-being. And you might help to spurn, you know, talks of preparedness for their individual lives as well. Not only that, you want to talk about con continue, uh, continuity of your business. If there was a hurricane or whatever, how could you, or even just an economic collapse, how could your business continue functioning? And maybe you want to put some things in place there. All right, so let's go ahead and continue on. Uh, we had Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy on the podcast yesterday, and I'm reading one of their articles. It just uh, so happened that I'm pulling one of their articles today. And this is on gallstones. Um, the first time that Dad and I ever went up to the country together, he got really sick and uh, throwing up and, and you know had to lay down. for a good, you know, We were in a tent because we didn't have anything up there other than the well had already been dug. And we were in a tent, and we had the tractor, and we were cutting, and we were cleaning, and we are doing all this kind of stuff. And he got really, really sick, and uh, come to find out, he had gallstones and, and uh, had to go in uh, to get those taken care of. So um, this one is, uh, again, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy at doomandbloom.net. The article is called Gallstones, Diagnosis, and Treatment. 
The gallbladder is a hollow sac-like organ that is attached to the liver. It stores a thick liquid substance called bile that the liver secretes to help you digest fats. After a meal, the gallbladder contracts and bile passes through to the small intestine through tubes called ducts. Excessive bile cholesterol can cause solid deposits inside the gallbladder that range in size from minuscule to, say, the size of a golf ball. These are commonly referred to as gallstones. Gallstones are relatively common. Perhaps 10 to 15% of the population has them. That means a large enough group of people in a survival community will likely include someone with the condition. Luckily, the most people... Luckily, most people won't have any symptoms. In 1 or 2%, however, the stones block the ducts, causing pain as the gallbladder becomes distended from excess accumulation of bile. The inflammation caused by this condition is called uh, cholestitis. And it's always the medical articles that get me. All right. Uh, There are two main types of gallstones. Cholesterol stones... The grand majority, these may not be related to the actual cholesterol levels in the bloodstream. And bilirubin stones, sometimes called pigment stones, this type may occur in the people who have illness that destroy red blood cells. The byproduct of this destruction releases a substance called bilirubin into the bile and forms a stone. In other cases, however, it's difficult to identify a cause. The pain associated with colicitis Titus, I, um, I, don't, I know I'm not saying that right, is known as bilary colic. It is cramping in nature and is usually seen in the upper right quadrant of the abdomen. It may radiate to the back. If not relieved, inflammation of the liver, gallbladder, and pancreas, or gallstone pancreatitis, pancreatitis can become life-threatening in some cases. A serious blockage of the bile duct with corresponding liver pancreas inflammation can lead to fever, nausea, and vomiting and a yellowing of the skin and eye known as jaundice. Gallstones are commonly diagnosed by ultrasound, but you won't have modern technology off the grid. The classical finding of physical examination is called Murphy sign. Press with one hand just below the midline of the lowest rib on the front right. Then ask your patient to breathe deeply. If the gallbladder is inflamed, the patient should complain of tenderness at the site. In a less politically correct era, risk factors for this condition were described as the four F's. For historical purposes, here they are. Fat. The majority of those with gallstones are overweight. Female. The majority of sufferers are women. 40. Most sufferers are over 40 years old and fertile. Most women with gallstones have had children. Today, more sensitive souls prefer the acronym GOLD, or G-O-L-D. Genetics. Ethnicity plays a role. Native Americans and Hispanics seem to have more gallbladder issues than Caucasians. Caucasians more than African Americans. Obesity. Obesity, especially in women, is associated with at least twice the frequency of gallbladder disease. Location of body fat. Those with obesity concentrated in the torso are more likely to be at risk. Diabetes. Those with diabetes are more likely to have gallstones. The more common treatment for gallstone, other than pain meds, is to surgically remove the gallbladder. You can live without it and stay healthy. Over 800,000 gallbladder surgeries called cholecystectomies are performed every year. Man, I, I, I really want to learn how to say that, but I'm, I'm just, I know I'm not going to get it here on the podcast are performed every year. New methods include shockwave disintegration of stones and acid treatments that may show promise for non-surgical therapy. 
Operating rooms, surgeons, and high technology, however, are likely to be in short supply when the you-know-what hits the fan, so it's useful to know some alternative remedies. These are most, mostly taken orally. Apple cider vinegar mixed with apple juice or water, uh, chanca piedra or phyllanthus neruri, a plant native to the Amazon, translated the name means break stones, Wow, that's an interesting one there. I never heard that one. I want to look into that one a little bit more. Uh, peppermint, coffee, turmeric, alfalfa, ginger root, psyllium, uh, psyllium, red yeast rice, dandelion root, artichoke leaves, beet, carrot, grape, and lemon juice. It should be noted that hard scientific data proving the effect of the above items is still lacking in many cases. Results from use of these items in the above list will vary from person to person. Sadly, it is very difficult to eliminate some of the known risk factors for gallbladder disease. You can't change if you're 40, female, and have children. You may be able to do something about being obese, however. Dietary changes to lower fat intake may help you lose weight and decrease the risk of gallstones. All right, so a nice little uh, article there. One of the things about their uh, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's, I think I might have mentioned this yesterday, or at least just in passing, um, you can click a little button that says print friendly. And uh, if you want to print that for your own, you have a little workbook that you're creating or uh, some uh, some folder that you're creating with uh, preparedness items, you definitely you can, you can uh, save this article very easily there. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and go on to our last article of the evening. This is a kind of a fun one because uh, when we talk about being self-reliant, you, we talk about being self-reliant. We talk about you know using our head and using what we have and and making it go f- further. I mean that's that's a part of it, right? Um, I like the articles that um, help you find different ways to reuse items. And so not all of these are going to be applicable for for you. Not they might not even be applicable in in preparedness. Uh, but uh, you get some ideas from here. And this is coming to us from askaprepper.com. It's 30 smart ways to reuse things that you usually throw away. And there's a lot of pictures here that you're going to want to check out uh, and just a lot of information. So let's go ahead and start on this one. Um, My grandparents never threw away a thing that could have been used later on. They were the old-time prepper, stockpiling and repurposing almost everything. Today we live in a throwaway society where even our water comes in a disposable single-use bottle. Electronics and other consumer goods are expected to last until the next, better model comes out. Our landfills are filled up and this, is, and this throwaway mentality benefits only the producer who can sell more. Americans throw away up to one-third of our edible food and half of all produce. Simply using all of the food that we purchase frees up money for other supplies and reduces waste of food and water. Resetting our out attitudes to use items completely, then recycling whenever possible saves money and landfill space. 1. Start by using the parts you normally toss. Toss peelings and other vegetable trimmings into a bag in the freezer. Add these to the pot when making broth. 2. Replant... I'm not going to read all the the numbers. Just That gets tedious after a while. Uh, Replant root ends of celery, green onions, and similar vegetables along with the seeds of fruit and vegetables. No garden space? Toss your seeds in an empty, untended lot. Some will grow without any attention. Make juice, wine, beer, or vinegar from fruit peels and cores. Here's a recipe for making raw apple cider vinegar at home. There's a link there already. 
Adopt a use strategy for all leftovers. Use them at following meals. Freeze them for an easy lunch or dehydrate suitable items for shelf-stable storage. You can even pressure can leftover meats, vegetables, fruits, soups, and stews to add to your food storage. Here's a step-by-step guide with pictures on how to can chicken. Eggshells are a valuable source for calcium. Add them to your compost or dig them into the garden. Feed them to the chickens or clean them and grind them to make a calcium supplement for the family. Bones are a good source of phosphorus and calcium. Save them to make bone broth, then dry them and grind them to make bone meal for the garden. Coffee grounds in used tea bags are valuable to your compost pile or earthworm earthworm bed. You can also add them directly to the garden for acid-loving plants. Meat fats are valuable for cooking and seasoning foods. Most everyone is familiar with using bacon fat to season vegetables and meat, but other fats can also be used. Duck fat or ham drippings are excellent for roasting potatoes. Chicken fat is flavorful used in moderation. Save the fat trimmings from pork in the freezer to render into lard. Fats can also be burned in candles or soaked into paper or cardboard for use as a fire starter. Be aware that in a SHTF situation, the smell of bacon from a fire starter or candle might draw unwanted attention. Plastic soda bottles and other drink bottles are useful containers for long-term storage. The first and most important thing to store in empty drink bottles is water. Simply wash the container thoroughly and fill it with water. Cap it, date it, and put it away. Empty and refill it yearly, checking for leaks as you go. Plastic soda bottles can also be used to store dry goods. Be sure your bottle is clean and completely dry. Fill with rice, corn, grits, beans, small pasta, etc. Add an oxygen absorber for long-term storage and seal tightly. Store in a cool, dark place. You can also use them to store ammo. I don't know about long-term storage. Um, I don't know if the oxygen absorber would hold up um, or at least suck out the oxygen enough or create that atmosphere, a lack of atmosphere in the in the two-liter bottles. Um, I think eventually they get porous, but someone might be able to correct me on that if if I'm wrong. Um, eventually, eventually they start breaking down. Um, I guess not to the point where they would uh, leak out. Um, leak out liquid or soda or whatever. So maybe not. Uh, I guess I'm wrong on that one. Uh, okay, so continuing on. Um, I'm just thinking through all that stuff. <laughs> stuff. Uh, all right, continuing, continuing on. Cut off the base and use bottle tops as a mini greenhouse to start seeds outside in the spring or to make self-watering pots for growing herbs and other container plants. Cut a bottle top on the diagonal to make scoops for your buckets of rice, etc., Cut the bottom straight across and use it to start seeds. Do you prefer your soda or juice from a can? Hopefully you already recycle the cans, but those cartons can be useful too. They are the perfect size for holding cans of vegetable soups, etc. If you cut a can size opening in the top back, fill from the back and remove cans from the front. They will automatically rotate your supply. Fill each carton with one type of food and stack them for a compact storage solution. Fill boxes with soil for a short-term container garden or fill with straw for growing potatoes. Many of us have a cupboard for overflowing with these reusable containers, but we never use them. Use the yogurt cups and tubs to start seeds or store leftovers and dry goods. Jars with sealable lids are good for storing dry goods like cornstarch, baking soda, powdered sugar, and other baking supplies purchased in smaller quantities. 
Jars offer more protection from humidity and pests than the original box. Coffee cans can be used as a growing container for small plants or for crafts and storage. When you save on plastic bags by bringing groceries home in a box, but the box presents a new recycling challenge. If you have young children, you already know that cardboard boxes make many imaginative play toys. Here are just a few more ideas. Open the ends and tape them together to make tunnels, forts, and playhouses. Decorate them to make cars, fire trucks, spaceships, and other vehicles. Make doll furniture and temporary furniture for small children and pets. Use them as a canvas for drawing and painting. Let imagination run wild. Cardboard burns well, so it is, a, it is useful as a fire starter or kindling. Tear it into strips and soak it in paraffin wax for excellent charcoal starters and fire starters. This is a good use for cereal boxes, toilet rolls, and extra cardboard of all types. Without the wax coating, it will burn faster, but is still a useful fire starter. Plastic bags are reusable in many ways. Tie them into knots to make an improvised dish scrubber or loop them into a long loofah. Here are another 21 survival uses for plastic bags. Iron plastic grocery bags together on the low setting and use a press cloth to make a stronger plastic material for making reusable shopping bags or plastic sheeting for any use. Overlap the bags when ironing to make larger sheets of any size and thickness. Plastic sheeting made this way can be seen to make seen to make many useful items. Yeah, I've never I've never done that one before. Never even heard of that one before. So that might be pretty interesting. If someone comes across an article um, showing that or a video, uh, please send it my way. All right. And the last one: cut plastic bags into strips and braids into ropes uh, of any size or thickness. Overlap strips to continue braiding until the desired length is reached. Braid thinner ropes together to make thicker, stronger ropes. All right, so, um, and, you know, got got comments here as well that you want to check out. But, again, a lot of pictures and links that you want to check out. Just like all, you know, all the articles that I always I always read and I always post, you definitely want to go check out uh, the articles because there's always good stuff in there that you can't see when, when I'm reading them. All right, well, um, I think that's it. That's it for episode 39. Um, just again, thanks for listening and being a part of the Prepper Website Podcast. Uh, before I go, if I could just ask you for that favor to share out uh, this episode or any other episode from the Prepper Website Podcast, that really helps out. You know, just letting people know we make it really easy for you to uh, to come to the, uh, the the podcast website and then share out uh, through social media or whatever. And word of mouth, word of mouth is is the positive thing too. I mean, you can just go do a search for Prepper Website Podcast and we're gonna pop up. So I uh, appreciate that. If you get a chance, come to the website and drop me a line in the comments or send me an email. Hit me up on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I always love to hear from everyone. If you're looking for more social, uh, I'm sorry, you're looking for more prepper-related articles, I'm sorry, it's been a long a long night. Still got a lot of stuff to do. Uh, trying to talk really fast and uh, messing up all my words. But anyway, if you... Um, are looking for more preparedness information, you definitely want to hit PrepperWebsite.com. We uh, we try really hard to put good preparedness information out there and just you put a wide range out there for you and uh, put the best of the best. So uh, make sure that you go check that out. And uh, if you're not getting your preparedness uh, fill, you know, there's always good stuff there. And then also check out the, the other pages like uh, um, the alternative news uh, site, 
or, or page and then you have the frugal page the DIY page I mean all those pages are very popular and uh, you can always find things there just there's a lot of good stuff there so uh, let me end with this choose to live a more self-reliant life choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or grind until next time stay prepped and aware peace <music>